Hello and welcome to the Word and Wellbeing, Meridian Wellbeing's fortnightly podcast where we discuss everything going on in the world of mental health, current affairs, wellbeing, life, universe and everything in between. Uh, today I have three fantastic guests from Middlesex University, our neighbour just up the road. Um, I have Vanessa White, who's the Student Wellbeing Coordinator, Maxi Pacheco, who is a graduate who's currently residing in the US, I think, New York, and Gabe Boanga, who's a student ambassador and graduate as well, or current student? Current student, post-grad student. Perfect. So uh, good afternoon. There we go. Good afternoon, guys. Thank you very much for joining me today. How are we all doing? Hello. Thanks for having me. I'd say, you know, I, all the, you know, it's a great idea being on mute, but don't worry if you do speak over each other. It's kind of, you know, that's going to happen. It's absolutely fine. Um, so students, uh, so, so, you know, life has been difficult for, well, everybody uh, over the, the last year. It's uh, certainly been um, an experience that I don't think any of us are ever going to forget and probably subsequent generation, generations either. Um, but one of the things that has kind of been missed um often because it's not going to get into the press or it's not something that necessarily is going to be shouted about in parliament or whatever is about how, you know, the impact on students, you know, students have still been going to classes. You know, there's lots of bits and pieces there that have really impacted a lot of young people. Um, well, not just young people, obviously, there are a range of students, but so I think it's a really interesting topic. And I'd really like to get your kind of perspectives on um, what's been happening and what life's been like uh, over the last year. So would anyone like to kind of I don't know, give us a bit of a taste of what's uh, student life been like under the lockdown and pandemics. Anyone at all? Sorry, just trying to gather my thoughts. Um, I would say that um, it was a bit tough in the beginning. Uh, I particularly feel like I handled it well. Um, I'm going to say when the first two lockdowns. Um, I think the toughest part of it is actually being able to completely restructure your life and your schedule in general, and having to come up with a routine uh, that's completely different to everything that we've ever lived so far. So I think that was the biggest challenge. Uh, but um, as most things in life, um, we learn to adapt to it. So at this point, I feel like I deal much better with it. Uh, from a student's perspective, I would say that organization has been key uh, throughout the whole of the pandemic to try and keep up um, with work and uh, studies and everything and just uh, dealing with it um, in the way that we can. That's really positive. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for that, Gabe. I mean, I, I think sort of looking at things in that kind of positive light is, is so important. Um, you know, the last year has been tough and it's not, you're in no way sort of not recognize, you completely recognize that, I know. But looking at things of, you know, how we do adapt, how we kind of can keep ourselves going, keep our communities going, I think is so important. Uh, and finding those little kind of glimmers of light, little pieces of gold or whatever you want to call them in uh, very difficult times, I think is, you know, so important. Uh, and it, I, I guess that kind of kind of goes to what I was about to ask is I can kind of see why you're a student ambassador with that kind of positive kind of attitude. Um, you know, I can see how that could be really beneficial to, to those around you. So do you mind if I ask, so uh, how did you kind of uh, go about becoming a student, uh, student ambassador? And I should also ask, what is a student ambassador? Good questions. Um, so I became a student ambassador when I was still doing my undergrad. Uh, and it was an opportunity um, that I saw, I saw the, the job advert and I decided to apply because I wanted to get more experience and just kind of, um, as an international student, because we have a limitation on the hours that we can work, I thought that would be a good idea to just 
boost my CV while at uni because I knew that that was a flexible job with flexible hours. So that would fit in well within my routine. And I've had this uh, position for the past, I'm going to say, two years now. And what a student ambassador does, what it means to be a student ambassador, I would say is it means motivating people, uh, pr both prospective and also current students, um, to just help them and guide them according to your own experience. It doesn't mean influencing them in any sort of way, as in come to our uni, this one is the best or anything like that. It's just helping them uh, through your own experience as a student um, in any way that you can. No, great, great. So can, can you then, so you've been doing, you've been a student ambassador now for you know, a couple of years. So has the, has your role kind of what people are kind of expecting from you? Has it changed over the last year? Have you had, you know, different requests, different kind of, uh, you know, calls for help over the last year compared to previous years? Um, yes, I think the role changed uh, as many roles that can be uh, done online. They, uh, they have changed in general. Uh, but my role particularly, um, first of all, I would say there was a lot of more focus on mental health because this was really um, what everyone has, uh, uh, has been talking about um, since COVID hit. Uh, it was already a topic, but um, it became much more intense uh, with the pandemic. And it changed because I've been doing this job online um, since I'm going to say March last year. And the type of support that I provide as well um, has changed a bit. So it, it is a bit more focused on getting students to engage and find a community. And of course, we still uh, run some events. We also work uh, with open days and for example, um, I'm a course ambassador as well for my course, which is digital marketing. So there's all that um, subject specific part of the role, I would say. But in general, I think it has shifted more towards uh, making, feel, uh, making students feel more comfortable and form a community. That's really great. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, kind of, uh, I, I'm impartial, but, uh, you know, from kind of having a chat with kind of like Vanessa and some of her colleagues and seeing some of the great work of around Middlesex. Um, you know, it's fantastic to see the level of support that's being offered for students. Uh, obviously I should say other universities are available, but, you know, um, you know, it, it, the, the kind of level of offering has been, you know, has been really great and particularly at a very difficult time. Uh, you know, I, I, sort of picking up on something you mentioned, that kind of engagement I think is so key because, you know, looking at kind of my, my own experiences uh, a few years ago at university, um, where you don't necessarily want to engage for whatever reason, or, you know, you kind of feel you don't have the time and things like that. Um, and when you're kind of going in a, through a really difficult situation, having that kind of community around you, that kind of university community in whatever form that takes is so important. And it's really great to see that Middlesex has been kind of, you know, really kind of leading that and kind of pulling together and kind of, you know, staff and students and everyone else being supportive. So no, thank you for that. That was really great, uh, Gabe. So uh, uh, Maxi and Vanessa, uh, so can we dig a bit into your uh, sort of, uh, you know, roles and what you're doing here? Uh, either one of you is free to start. Thank you, Vanessa. Um, and th also thank you, Gabe, because he gave a really, really insightful um, answers. But um, I was in London for the first lockdown. Um, and for, even though I was finishing up my classes and there was only a few more weeks left for my last class in the graduate. Um, 
it was pretty tough still. Um, I still felt like I needed, you know, like you said, that community, um, students around, the professor just present. And after that, it was just like, like Gabe said, just trying to reroute your, your schedule, um, you not, not having to go anywhere else. Um, the thing that helped me a lot was my dogs, because I did take one of my dogs from New York to London, oh, and wow. then I rescued, <laughs> yeah, and then I rescued another one um, in London. One of um, the student ambassadors, we had, there's a WhatsApp group chat, and one of the student ambassadors, he posted his puppy on there, and then he messaged me a few days later saying that he couldn't take care of it, so I went and I rescued her. Um, so those were like the two little things that were keeping me alive that's really lovely that's really i mean i should say that before we began recording the maxi said that she had too many dogs so i don't know how many dogs is too many dogs but uh how how many dogs do you do you have so over there i had two dogs and now back home in total we have six plus five puppies that Oh. my one of my dogs gave birth to but they will be gone in a few weeks which is heartbreaking because i fell in love with them (laughs) Completely. I mean, you know, th- you know, animals are such a wonderful thing. You know, they are that mm. kind of, um, you know, the part of the family. You know, I kind of grew up with dogs and cats. Um, you know, they've always kind of been. You know, they are part of the family, and they're such a kind of set. A, 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 you know, they're kind of a piece of well-being, a piece of kind of peace that they bring. Um, even though cats perhaps uh, have a slight sort of, uh, you know, attitude. <laughs> sometimes some cats do not all cats I should say but some cats seem to think that we're we're basically there you know there to serve them and everything else which is fine dogs you know wonderful creatures you know absolutely lovely and and I think sort of broader you know kind of the the, the um particularly at the moment that kind of well-being that's come from uh, having animals around people very particularly people who are perhaps by themselves or people who don't necessarily have family around them you know you can really see how important that would be having mm-hmm. that kind of um having that, that something that you can kind of talk to, something that you can kind of engage with, that, that's kind of, uh, you know, that unconditional love, which is so, so really wonderful. Anyway, sorry, I've got onto a topic of pets. But, uh, <laughs> back to what, back, back to your, uh, your story, Maxie. I'll stop talking now. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, you're completely right. They're just like family. And it was a little piece of me from back home. So that was great. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, they were keeping me sane. It was tough. Um, and then I came back home last August. Um, I was a student ambassador as well, and starting off September 2019, up until February of this year. Um, and it was great. It's been great. To be honest, I didn't really get many jobs in person. I started getting more jobs working remotely. Um, and from this year, September of 2020, I was working as, as a digital buddy. Uh, which was great. I was helping professors and students with the technical difficulties they may have been having during their sessions. So that was great because I learned with the students. I was in the lectures with them. It was just like I was in a class. Um, I was in nursing classes. I was in marketing classes, business classes. So that was really great. Um, And the professors as well, they were very just on it. Um, they also asked me for advice. I gave them my thoughts and they were very nice to work with. I loved it. That's really lovely. Um, and it's really interesting to see kind of how, 
you know how you kind of uh, you and the university, I guess, have adapted that kind of to the, the to the new normal. As much as we all really don't like that phrase, but you know, kind of having you know things carry on in in some way, and they, I guess, we we kind of all do the best we can. And you know, do you think that um, I suppose that having that kind of personal interaction, even through you know something like Zoom, is still not quite the same. But I guess um, you know, f- for many people. Um, you know, they would still, you know, they, they, you know, they, they're probably still struggling with the fact that they're not having that interaction. Uh, but it's right. so important that there is something happening. And it's great to, you know, to hear more about what the university has been up to trying to support students. Because particularly, you know, when you're in that situation where, you know, you really need to speak to, I don't know, um, you know you've really got a question about something you're doing in your class or your course or whatever, you know, it's, it would be having to just do everything via email or something like that would be a bit of a nightmare. So I, I can, you know, it's really great to hear. So what, so you said digital buddy, is that just kind of like, like a tutor or? No, I was there, I was there as an assistant. So like, let's say if the lecturers or the students had any problems during the zoom session, if they couldn't connect to the lecture or Uh... they couldn't, they didn't have audio. I was helping with that. I was also assisting the lecturers, um one-on-one as well um I was helping when helping them with the chats um I was also sending out emails to the students if I could um and helping with the attendance because there were some classes that had over 50 students and some classes as little as 15 students so anything I they wanted help with I was there that's 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 an interesting question I do want so like I'm just thinking about my own experiences but do you has kind of uh has it has class attendance generally declined over the last year do you think it has okay fair enough yeah I think so yeah (laughs) (laughs) I suppose it's more difficult when you kind of don't or you just need to like it's it's like with meetings you know there's that kind of expectation that kind of because the meetings are easier to get to because they're all virtual that somehow Mm -hmm. there's going to be greater attendance um, and and also I'm sorry, Chris. No, 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 and also, um, also lecturers would record the the lecture in oh, order yeah, for yeah. students to like go back and see it. So like students would probably have that in mind and say, okay, I don't have to attend the lecture. I'll just go to the recording. And in some cases, the students will come in for the first hour of the lecture, which was uh, um, just a lecture. And then the second hour, which was a seminar, they would like almost leave, and there would be like five students left. So. Yeah, I mean, that's how it worked in some classes. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I can completely yeah. imagine that. It's, um, yeah, it's difficult. And then I guess it's that how do you, because it kind of goes back to what, you know, what we're talking about, that people, you know, trying to adapt to the new normal when you guys are doing some great things. You know, for some people, they're still going to be struggling. That's, you know, understandable. Uh, and we try to find different ways to support them and things like that. But how do we kind of get that kind of, when we're, everybody's going through such a different situation, how do you kind of ensure that kind of level of, you no know, guys, you still need to kind of study and things like that because it's your education, it's university, you know, all that you need to be working towards your degree. When you're kind of in the middle of a pandemic, uh, it's, that must be a really difficult situation for, you know, for students to kind of get their head around that they kind of, they're thinking about, you know, in the next, uh, at some point in the future, they need to get a job in, you know, marketing or, or whatever it is. And at the same time, you know, the next day they're thinking, God, I need to get tested again for COVID or I need to get this and I hope bread isn't going to run out or whatever. That must have been a really, you know, that, that, I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine really what that must have been kind of like uh, for some of your students. Do you know, I mean, yeah. kind of in general, general kind of uh, ways, uh, in a kind of general sort of, without kind of going into personal details, but kind of uh, Gabe and Maxi, 
do you think um how 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 have kind of students tried to kind of have that balance between thinking about the long term their degree and also kind of dealing with the kind of present kind of mad bizarre circumstances um i think it was hard for them to be honest um i've had um a few lecturers ask me like how do i keep them engaged and some are even asking like how do we transition them from online to in person as well because Mm. students are complaining like you know they're paying this much amount of money and they're not getting the full attention that they should be um they're not in person they're not you know and pretty much being hands-on being present um and to be honest it's tough it's tough because you don't know what the students are going through as well you know you don't know their financial situation they could mm-hmm. be thinking you know I have this online lecture but like I also have to do this job yeah. um and I can just go to a recording so I don't know I I was asked by one of the by one of the lecturers like what do I think like how can they like engage the students more how can they make them feel like they're getting value for for what they're paying for and to be honest I just couldn't come up with anything unless like just reassure them that what they're receiving online is the same amount of work that they will be receiving in person um so yeah it was it's pretty tough I'm no, still thinking about it to this day like how no, can of course of course and I, 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 I didn't mean to put it all upon you I, did, I wasn't sort of expecting you to solve you know the kind of world's no, problems but yeah. uh, but no I, I think that's a really interesting point you raised about the kind of from the kind of uh you know the staffing side where the the, the lecturers are concerned about how mm-hmm. you know that they are you know they are concerned they want the students to, you know they want the students to come up to you know to come to classes and engage and things like that and it's really interesting you're making that point about the fact that they are concerned about that uh you know about how they're engaging them and how and that kind of value for money and things like that which you could kind of see when you're kind of going to university and you've got however many grand's worth of debt you know having a lecture via you know effectively you know you know it might be recorded or it could theoretically be recorded you know you could see students starting to be quite troubled by that and staff and the university i'd expect i imagine there's a lot of you know the university's had a lot of kind of conversations within itself about you know how do we how do we provide that kind of experience that should go with the university uh i mean certainly you know to, again to go back you know i i don't know everything all the ins and outs of what Middlesex has been up to but it looks like you guys have been really trying to kind of provide you know to kind of go that extra mile um you know because it's so needed it's so needed um I wonder then just to follow on something else you mentioned about how do you make that transition back to the you know to the lecture hall to the classroom or whatever I, I wonder you know, a lot of people are going to be very uncomfortable about that, you know, both staff and students. And, you know, it's certainly sort of from our, you know, as a mental health charity, you know, we're having kind of conversations with stakeholders and our services and things like that. And there's a real, you know, something that's really kind of starting to uh, become quite sort of, um, you know, in a lot of cropping up in a lot of conversations is that kind of unlocking anxiety, you know, what happens when we start to unlock further, you know, we've had a year with basically sort of become used to you know you go to shop you have to wear a mask you have to wash your hands almost all the time all these other bits and pieces don't get near anybody um and how do we go back to a time before that you know Mm -hmm. and for many people particularly if they are dealing with a variety of things that's a very anxious situation to be in um and so what that looks like for, for you know for a university where you have so many people together theoretically 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, certainly sort of, uh, I did like, uh, oh, what, was the, what was the app? What was the app that uh, we used? Gather Town. That was quite fun. Uh, I'm, not sure I'm not sure necessarily you could run a whole university via Gather Town, and I'm sure other things are available, but that was quite fun. It was sort of like a game I played in like, I'd say the 90s. Oh, I'm so old. Uh, but, you know, it was like a sort of Game Boy, you know, like a Nintendo game or something like that. And, oh. you know, it, it had that kind of social interaction. It had a bit of kind of nostalgia to it. Um, things like that kind of give you that element of that kind of experience of university. Um, but I guess that kind of in-person thing, uh, which we all remember vaguely, um, I don't know when that's going to come back, at least not for a little while. Uh, anyway, right. that's, enough, that's enough of my reminiscing. Sorry, Maxie, you were going to say something. Yes, um, my suggestion was to like do it half like online and half in person. Like if the lecturer is giving an in-person lecture to half of his students and the other half maybe can be online and then they can switch it throughout the week. But that's that could be a bit too much for the university trying to figure out a student schedule, the staff schedule. Mm. Um, but that's the only thing that I could have came up with, to be honest. No, I, I think that's very sensible. It wouldn't surprise me if that kind of, you know, that's kind of where things go because you kind of need to have that balance. Um, uh, Vanessa, so um, could you remind us, so what, what is your role? What, what do you do, do Vanessa? I've been, uh, I've been listening in with, uh, with uh, yeah, open ears to everybody's thoughts and comments so far. So uh, I'm the Student Wellbeing Coordinator at Middlesex. So uh, my role is uh, very much on the health promotion side of things. So um, I basically work with different teams within the university, um, external stakeholders like yourself, Chris, uh, and you know our student union. Um, and my role is all about really health promotion. So um, although well-being is in my title, it's you know often more associated with mental health. Um, I obviously work closely with you know people like our sports teams and you know on physical health and things like that as well. So. Um, yeah, sort of putting on events, putting out information, um, general support and signposting um, is sort of my day to day. And then uh, over the past year and a bit, um, I've worked as part of our uh, COVID management team at the university. So um, we've been obviously doing a lot to support students and work with our local Barnet Public Health colleagues. Um, obviously, yeah, from a public health perspective, making sure we keep the community safe as well. So um yeah it's been very very sort of health and, and covid focused in the last year um it's been lots going on um and yeah we continue to sort of adapt as the situation changes hopefully now touch wood for the better that's really great thank you Vanessa so I mean I I, I seem to have been doing a fairly good job of plugging uh Middlesex without necessarily uh being paid to but uh so uh you know I mean, but I think it's true, you know, kind of we've had quite a few conversations about you got what you guys have been up to. Um, and it's really interesting, particularly kind of when you you do a bit of research and you see some of the stories from other universities and the students experience there. Mm. Um, you know, and it's not it's not to sort of say that, you know, everything's perfect and all that jazz. But, you know, when you look at kind of some of the stories from some of the universities in other parts of the country, it seems very different. Um, yeah. The kind of level of kind of intervention and support that's being provided, which is really great. So you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, your role is kind of transition, not transition, but it's been really kind of focused on mental health, which makes sense, obviously, um, over the last year. Is a sort of what kind of areas in a kind of general way, what are the kind of areas of mental health that have become particularly prevalent or particularly kind of uh, of concern 
um, from from your perspective over the last year? Mm. Well, I think, um, you know, Middlesex, like other universities, you know, and, and really like every organisation, business and individual around the world, particularly talking about England, where we're based, obviously, we had sort of, you know, a matter of days to, to transition to online teaching and learning and support. Um, but I genuinely do think what we've been doing at Middlesex has been, you know, really good. And, and we do a lot of work with our students, with our students' unions, student ambassadors, and we you know, we are kind of all ears. And if we hear that there is a particular need, you know, we do our absolute best to try and try and support with that. Um, so, I mean, in terms of that kind of mental health support and really support generally, it, it kind of really has transitioned through the pandemic. I mean, at the very start, we were really focusing down on the, the basics that, uh, that you were talking about earlier, Chris. So it was, you know, do our students have access to food? It really was that basic kind of, right, you know, for our students who need to isolate, do they have food? Um, you know do they have their medications if they're on prescriptions mm. um, do they have access to a laptop do they have wi-fi um, and you know very quickly uh, it became apparent that um, connections and belonging and sense of community was incredibly important um, particularly for our students living in our halls of residence and also just you know throughout London who were maybe sort of stuck um, you know away from friends and family along with the, the stress that comes with the pandemic, of course. Um, and then really through kind of through the following year, it's been everything that we would have seen before a pandemic with the pressures then that comes from isolation, uh, grief, um, you know, lack of sort of social support, lack of routines, uh, financial pressures, all of that has kind of piled up uh, on top. So um We've done a lot of um, support around isolation. Mm. As I say, so the University and Students Union, we've launched um, various different initiatives, um, you know, co uh, students calling students. Uh, so we've got this uh, student callers project, um, you know, and several thousand students have been called just for a chat and a, a hello, you know. As I mentioned, we've got our whole COVID support process. So uh, we ask any student who tests positive or who's isolating for any other reason to let us know. Because as soon as we know about it, it means we can support those students then, whether that's with food, academic pressures, finances, um, you know, health generally. Um, and actually, one of the one of the biggest challenges, I would say, from my point of view, is um, knowing who needs the support. Mm. I think probably over the last six months or so, digital fatigue has kind of been on the top of people's radars, you know, and, and not just for students, for staff. And I think just everybody who's been engaging with Zoom and, and other such platforms for the past year, you know, it is quite mentally exhausting. And I know we sort of talked a little bit earlier about this kind of disengaging from mm. online support. That's really worrying, obviously, because then you're, you're less aware of the people who may benefit from that kind of support and that, those yeah. kind of connections, but actually you just don't know about them because you, you're not even seeing them anymore in a, in a lecture or just in a seminar or a chit chat you know, in a corridor at the university. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Um, so it's really kind of knowing knowing what we don't know is, is sort of the challenge. Um, so we've done a lot of, you know, I mean, our communications team are fabulous and we've done a lot of, uh, you know, outreach and social media work. And um, again, Gabriel's sort of helped with all sorts of different, um, you know, mental health videos. And, and we've just tried everything really to kind of get the word out that we are still here. You know, mm. you may not see us around campus as you would have before but we're all available still um and it's really been been pushing that message for the last year really 
That, that's really interesting. And I think, yeah, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, kind of what we were kind of touching on earlier, which is that the kind of traditional kind of university way, or that kind of level of support, because you would be walking around, you would be interacting with people. And mm. how do you kind of provide that in an environment where people can't do that as such? Mm. Um, so that's really interesting to hear about kind of what you've been up to around that. And it, it, it's so important, you know, it's so important because for many people, as you said, that kind of di- digital fatigue, which I think is a fantastic phrase that kind of encapsulates so many bits and pieces about our kind of current experience. I mean, one of the things, you know, slightly sort of uh, off topic, but one of the things that sort of, I was reading an article the other day and it really kind of fits with that digital fatigue. And they were talking about how, you know, never before kind of Zoom meetings, have they ever stared so intently into another person's eyes before? Yeah. And I know that's a slightly kind of flippant sort of uh, example, but, you know, that kind of, we are almost kind of just staring exactly at each other's eyes as we speak. Yeah. Would, yeah. If we were in a meeting, we wouldn't necessarily be doing that. And that kind of, on a very small scale, that kind of encapsulates how, you know, being in this kind of environment is very, you know, it is very demanding. It is very draining. Um particularly because I guess for, for many people, one of the things that we can we lack is that kind of physical contact. And we are, um, you know, in many ways, we are kind of uh, physical beings. We like to be the majority of us, not all of us, but, you know, many of us, you know, we like to be around people in some way, you know, at least even if it's just a kind of reassurance that there are other people living around us. Mm. Obviously, some people are quite happy being complete by themselves and that's entirely fair enough but for some for many people um you know that that having that presence is important and that isn't necessarily something that can be provided through you know through zoom or through skype or whatever so um i I wonder whether you know kind of moving forward how we kind of start to rebuild that um you know as kind of maxine mentioned that kind of having that kind of hybrid way of doing things Mm. You know, certainly sort of within the kind of business world, you know, I mean, that sounds very kind of grand, but kind of, you know, businesses are talking a lot about kind of doing that kind of hybrid way of working, giving people, you know, some office space where they want to use it. And then, you know, kind of doing, uh, you know, a lot of kind of homeworking and things like that. Um, because for many people, you know, they actually really don't like working from home. You know, mm-hmm. some people are are incredibly isolated and that kind of social kind of uh, engagement that comes from going to the office um, is something they've been really missing. So it's always something we should be aware of when we're kind of planning policy. So, um, yeah, no, really great to hear about that kind of what, what the university has been up to. And I know sort of um, having seen a few of the bits and pieces, it's really kind of, it's great to hear and great to see and I really sort of wish all the best kind of moving forward on that so can I sort of to kind of go back to um you know Gabe and Maxi so university uh for you you're you both well you both are graduates uh you know you're kind of looking looking ahead and whatever you're doing do you think so how can in a kind of broader sense and without again trying to change the world massively or expecting you to kind of change the world or whatever but like how can you know the government the state in, you know wherever you are how can they better support students as they leave university you know things have changed you know the world is different to how it was expectations are different so what can kind of government I also suppose businesses and communities what can what can they do to support students as they start to leave university now um, I'm going to speak for international students in the UK because it, it, it's a very specific category. Perfect. And by Perfect. international, I mean uh, non-EU. Okay, so from out, anywhere outside of the European Union. Um, it's always been a tough one uh, because we have so many restrictions on so many levels. And now with Brexit, there has been a change. 
uh, in the policy so we can actually stay in the UK uh, to look for work for up to two years after we graduate. I think uh, it could come in place from this year or next year, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but this will allow students who are now in the UK and who don't have, for example, an European passport uh, to stay and look for work. And one of the um, things that I've uh, already started looking at is from the moment I finish my master's, for example, I'm going to have to go and probably look for a business uh, or an employee, uh, employer, sorry, uh, that can actually sponsor those students. So there's a list uh, from the government, obviously, uh, on the, the businesses that can actually sponsor international students. And I think that might increase with time because of the changes that we've been seeing with the pandemic. Uh, they might actually, uh, I'm just speculating here, but from the sounds of it, um, seeing where things are going, uh, I heard that some countries have introduced uh, digital visas, so that might change as well because of remote working. Mm. Uh, but I would say, as an international student, from my point of view, uh, the way that the government and businesses uh, can support us is by actually opening those doors uh, for us, for those students who have invested a lot of money um, in their education in the UK, who have been here, who have during the pandemic, obviously, we didn't have any access to any sort of uh, government support. And obviously, the uni was there, mm. you know, for us. Uh, but we come betting, uh, it, it's a huge investment in terms of uh, time, it's years of your life and everything. So I would say, uh, uh, we come and we, we make a bet. Um, when I came to the UK, it was kind of a shot in the dark, because obviously, I was back home, I couldn't go around London and have a look at the campuses. So, you know, it, it was, it's, it's a very big decision to make. Uh, and I'm very happy with it. Obviously, I, I've, you know, I, I decided to stay for my master's and everything. But I think these students, uh, especially uh, the international ones, we've been through um, even, uh, of course, I'm not comparing, but there's another factor there because our families, most of us, uh, we live away from them. So my family, they're, they're back home and I, I'm sure that many other students as well, uh, some of them uh, didn't get to be released from their contracts in terms of accommodation if they go for private accommodation. And with problems with flights uh, from and to pretty much everywhere uh, in the world, uh, some of them were stuck without their families with no access to further funding. So it is a tough one. And I would say that th there's... Uh, on the good side of things, that helped us uh, build some sort of resilience and try and be creative in coming up with ways to overcome the situation. And I think that's uh, a great skill to have. It shouldn't uh, necessarily uh, have been built within this context of a pandemic. Obviously, it's not ideal for any of us. Uh, but I would say um, I would advocate for the international student community and say we have something to offer, definitely. That's really brilliant. No, thank you for that, um, Gabe. I, th I think that's so true, you know, um, and I think it, sh it needs to be recognised that, you know, students um, and, you know, many citizens from around the world have invested a lot of time, time and money in the UK, particularly over the last year, many in kind of services which have kind of kept the UK going and they deserve that kind of recognition and they deserve to be 
rewarded is the wrong word. They, you know, they deserve to have their, you know, they deserve to to to, to be welcomed if they want to stay in the UK, you know, uh, and everything else. You know, and I think if you know if there are circumstances where you know, with students kind of moving from, you know, university into the workplace, if there are kind of, you know, I think it would be entirely beneficial for the government to find ways to, to help support, you know, help smooth that transition. You know, obviously all, all students, we don't want to kind of, you know, discriminate or anything like that. But no, I, I do think it's a very fair point that, you know, those students who have come from overseas, who've, you know, spent the last year and a half under lockdown uh, and want to remain in the UK and want to work here or, or whatever, you know, they, they, you know, they deserve that kind of recognition and support. So, yeah, I think it's a very fair point. So thank you for that. Um, Maxi, again, not to sort of put too much upon you, is there any kind of anything that occurs to you as far as, you know, how, uh, you know, businesses, government, you know, kind of uh, society can kind of support students as they leave university in the kind of post-COVID world? Completely agree with Gabe. Um, what he said was spot on because me, as I was an international student as well, <clears throat> And for me, it was hard to look for a job, especially with the 20 hour restrictions. Um, and even when COVID hit, we still couldn't find any jobs and the jobs had to be 20 hours. Um, but yeah, in the I'm in the criminal justice field. And at least for me, like it was so hard to like even try to find a job ahead of time before my visa expired. Um, especially because COVID and also you had to be a resident of the UK or a citizen, which I was not. Um, and like you said, you know, investing your time, your money, and for you to like just have all these limitations um, didn't sit right with me. Um, you know, I chose England for a reason. And unfortunately, like I couldn't get to stay because I would have loved to stay. But moving forward, um, I think just like promote more jobs for international students, um, you know, whether it's online or in person, give them the opportunity to execute what they learned, execute their skills um, that they learned while getting their master's or their undergraduate. Um, and over here as well, I'm back in the US, back home. And it's still hard for me to find a job too. I'm still trying whether it's online or in person, I don't know. But yeah, I've been looking and haven't found anything yet. So hopefully there'll be more jobs in the coming weeks or months because the U.S. is supposed to open completely on July 1st. So let's see how that goes. Thank you, Maxine. You know, I really appreciate your your kind of your honesty and your frankness there. You know, and I'm really sorry to hear about your experiences. You know, it's not something that you or anybody should have gone through. So no, I do really appreciate that. Um, I mean, I suppose, you know, I, I think one of the points you made, which I think is, is really true, and it kind of it relates to something that Gabe said as well, which is that, you know, particularly kind of in your early days when you first leave university, often you'll kind of be trying to get experience wherever you can, um, you know, and that will often be maybe a smaller organisation. So if there is that kind of expectation or that kind of legal requirement, and I, I am in no way an immigrant, I know nothing about immigration law, I should say, but you know, if there is, if the law of the land in the UK, at least, is that only, you know, the, the, the companies have to sponsor people, you know, to work from overseas, well, that's going to be very difficult for small organisations to do, um, you know, not only on a kind of monetary basis, but also kind of the practical skills that they would need to be able to do that, you know, due diligence and things like that, which means that you're limiting your pool of businesses that are going to be able to support, you know, potentially, you know, students who may well settle down here, 
not that they have to settle down here and pay taxes and all that kind of jazz and you know really kind of do some amazing things so one one would hope that and again this might already be the case i don't know but one would hope that the immigration system would better reflect the fact that we want to provide as many opportunities for individuals who can't, who want to live and work here to do so and we shouldn't be restricting that and we certainly shouldn't be um restricting those students who studied and you know paid their dues and kind of whatever over here um from from you know from continuing to live here if they want to so i do hope sort of whatever it is you want to do in the future that that things kind of work out for the best um Thank you. law is a is an interesting field it's not something i uh i mean my, my background is in kind of uh, you know i studied philosophy at university so law is almost completely opposed to what i believe no no it isn't but uh you know my, my wife sort of read uh, law at university so there was lots of kind of uh sort of debates and arguments about no no it's just the law this is what the law says and we go no no that doesn't mean it's morally right just because it's the law does yeah. not mean it's morally right uh, so a lot of arguments yeah. like that but anyway <laughs> um sorry right so back on track so you know very aware of kind of you know the, the time so i don't want to take up too much more of you 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 know you guys have got so many bits and pieces on but i think one thing i kind of quite like to touch on just very briefly if i may is um you know on a kind of personal level i don't mean to inquire too much but kind of what and i think maxie's touched a little bit on this already with her dogs but what you know if, if you were going to kind of recommend to somebody what would be your kind of top tips or what would you do to uh, so what have you done to kind of support your well-being over the last year you know if there was something you could say to somebody you know this helped me kind of get through a really rubbish time which it all was um then you know what would you say um you know i can certainly sort of uh, bore you with my my the various stories uh but i think people would be more interested to hear what you guys have to say i don't mind popping in here i have all sorts <laughs> of uh, tips and tricks up my sleeve chris um but it is interesting because, um, you know, if, if you work in this kind of field, you often get asked sort of, you know, also, you know, you work in, in well-being or mental health, you know, you must be great at this stuff, you know, and you must practice it all the time. And, you know, it's it's not necessarily true. You know, we're all human. You know, we've all got some kind of shared experience of of what's been going on over the last year and a half. And it's um, it's all affected us in one way or another. I think for students in particular, it's it has been an exceptionally challenging time and, yeah, I won't go too much into the politics of it, but I do certainly think there's a you know a lot more focus support which you know which which could have come from the government um, and would have been incredibly helpful. Um, but I mean, you know, I think with with looking after your health generally, it's about finding what works for you. It sounds like such a cliche, but I mean, I could list off sort of twenty things that I do, um, you know, each day, each week to look after myself, but you know, what works for me may be completely different to what works for, for Maxi, Gabe and, and yourself, Chris. I mean, generally, you know, the, the top things that I do, you know, trying to stay active, um, more active than inactive has been my kind of <laughs> my goal over the last year. You know, we're not aiming for perfection. We're just aiming for, uh, you know, OK. Um, and really, actually, that is is probably another good tip. You know, it's when when times are especially tough, um, and if you do kind of tend to be a bit of a perfectionist, I mean, I put my hand up, I'm a total perfectionist. Um, you know, it's, it's about kind of managing your expectations on yourself as well, you know, and it's not aiming for, you know, complete perfection in your day to day. It's it's just, you know, doing what needs to be done and, and making sure it's good enough each day. Um, but yeah, I would certainly say, you know, staying active and just kind of keeping on top of the basics, you know, making sure I'm eating well, drinking enough water, you know, trying to get outdoors. 
Interestingly, it's uh, Mental Health Awareness Week, 10th to 16th uh, of May uh, this month. And actually the theme is connecting with nature, which is uh, very pertinent for this year. And I think, you know, a lot of people can talk about how useful, um, you know, even just getting outside for your daily walk um, has been for your mental health and obviously physical health as well. Um, I mean, it's it's a shame that it takes something like a pandemic for, for kind of people to sort of really appreciate the outdoors a little bit more and kind of really boost our our connection with nature but you know I think it, it has highlighted you know the importance of getting out and about and you know just trying to go for a daily walk or even if it's just you know around the block or just sitting in the sitting on your balcony and just trying to get some sun on your face or you know drizzle if it's England at the moment but um yeah certainly getting outdoors trying to be active and just yeah looking after the basics um I think Gabe mentioned earlier on routines and I mean it's you know it's key absolutely key uh, to try and stick to some kind of routine if you know if your life is turned upside down and you know you're suddenly stuck at home and and you're not able to see people it's really easy to slip into unhealthy habits so mm. yeah routine is is definitely key yeah I, I think that's so sort of uh, so true you know we are as much as we try and um think otherwise sometimes you know we are part of nature our environment is key to who we are and what we do, yeah. you know and you know, it doesn't sort of, you know, nature could be small, you know, being that kind of awareness of nature could be such a small thing. I mean, you've, you've got some rather lovely plants growing behind you. I do, yeah. My house very nice, very nice. Thank you. Um, And, uh, you know, it, it's lovely to have, you know, we've got a few potted plants around the house. It's really lovely to have that kind of a bit of green, a bit of life. Uh, not obviously, I mean, we have a, a child and a cat as well, so that's alive <laughs> as well. But both alive. Uh, so, uh, you know, but it, it is it is lovely, you know, and it brings out a little bit of kind of um, the outside inside. Um, you know, many people are not uh, as fortunate to have as many green spaces around them, um, particularly if you live in large cities. So finding those, finding that little bit of uh, green, I think is so key. Um, you know, I suppose... Maybe that kind of goes back to some sort of primal thing where we all come, you know, we all come from forests and things like that. So there's a little part of us that feels a bit more comfortable when we have a tree around. I don't know. I like trees, but uh... it's, it's true, isn't it? You know, we're we're not physiologically or psychologically built to sit in front of the screen all day. Um, you know, it is just trying to find that balance. You know, it's the reality we find ourselves in at the moment. Um, and for lots of people, you know, the, the digital world is, um, you know, a lot more accessible and that's fantastic. Um, but as you say, Chris, I think it's just finding that balance and, um, you know, it doesn't have to mean that you, you know, live in a forest or, you know, you've got a park right next to you. It's, um, you know, connecting with nature can be as simple as, you know, switching off from social media and your laptop and all the rest of it for an afternoon. Yeah. And just, yeah. you know, noticing what's going on around you, noticing, you know, the, the weather and the cloud patterns, things like that, you know, that can help you to reconnect. That is um, so true. That is so, that, that's almost sort of, um, that's, that's kind of like mindfulness, isn't it really? It's just that kind of being present and, you know, watching the, the clouds or more likely in the UK, you know, rain, falling that hail who knows yeah. towels occasionally yeah. all these bits and pieces but uh no I, I i think that's so true no thank you for that um vanessa that's really great um gabe and maxi anything uh anything you'd like to share any kind of final kind of uh i, I mean obviously you are more than welcome to mention your dogs again maxi you know we would very much like to hear pictures of the dogs may be available i don't know yeah so my dogs are upstairs if i do have pictures i can send you chris oh. um but for me, what was hard was the gyms closing. 
And I thought to myself, oh my God, like I don't have any weights. I have to be active at home. And I did try filling up a bag with like bottles of water, cans, anything I can find and use that as weights. But after a while, it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like it's not the same as being in a gym. So I thought to myself, maybe like there could be like small group sessions in a park that would, you know, with an instructor that can continue the whole gym environment kind of. Um, and also puzzles. I just bought a thousand piece puzzle and I thought to myself, oh my God, this could have helped me during quarantine because I was going insane. And it's just like, so it's stressful, but it takes your mind away from e everything else. Um, and puppies, dogs, like I had. Um, and yeah, that's about it, to be honest. Like, just stay active. If you want to go out to get a cup of coffee, just take that walk and go for it. Um, there were times that I would go out to get um, tuna melts with one of my friends. Like, just take that walk if you want to and if you can. Um, but yeah that's about it just try to stay sane <laughs> yeah no and that's that's really lovely you know I think I think almost everybody can kind of relate you know relate to some of those things you know um you know I, I you know despite my athletic physique I somehow I did think that perhaps I should uh, get a bit more exercise so uh you know I did kind of get a, an exercise bike uh, which is currently sitting over there looking at sorry for itself but uh I have been using it very regularly and my my daughter is quite excited by it despite the fact she's about a foot high so quite, can't quite reach it but uh um you know yeah I, I think that's so true finding those ways to kind of you know keep yourself busy um I probably did the most middle class thing you could ever do which is reorganize my herb drawer but you know these uh you know, the oregano can't be touching the celeriac you can't no celeriac is not a spice but, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, things like that, you know, you know, it's finding, you know, in some ways kind of finding time and just finding things to kind of keep yourself going and keep yourself occupied. And again, it's that, you know, when you're doing something like that, it is a bit of mindfulness really, isn't it? It's that kind of, you're, you're, you're kind of focusing on the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's really lovely. No, thank you for that, Maxi. Uh, Gabe, finally. Yes. Uh, least. I would just like to give a, uh, final tip because I think it really works for me, uh, which is I, I did mention it very briefly before. Uh, organization is really key, uh, especially when we're at home. And I think organization is actually an act of self care because it prevents you from getting stressed down the line. And I think it, it really, um, if you plan things out ahead and just make sure they for everything, take things slowly, you know. Um, that's what's kept me going and kind of helped me um, manage everything that I had to do uh, in terms of work, in terms of uni and just other aspects of my personal life. So I would say, yeah, definitely um, having maybe a timetable uh, apart from the uni timetable. That's one of the things that, you know, really guided me through this uh, because then I was able to actually visualize my time and, and, ask myself okay so what am I going to do with that free slot which there weren't that many um, but you know at least I could see where they were and try and um, plan my life around them and it actually worked. I, th I think that's such a great example you know really kind of and, and it doesn't need to be you know some people like that kind of you know calendars and binders and you know and that's great and, and some people it's just that it's just being more aware of how you're using your time during the day and I think regardless of where you fall on that kind of uh, spectrum or ruler or whatever you want to call it I think 
you know, that kind of awareness is, is, is really important, having that kind of routine, because particularly when you have more time, you know, uh, more unstructured time, I should say, it's very easy to kind of fall into, uh, you know, kind of negative thoughts or kind of finding yourself kind of spiraling a bit, um, you know, and that can, you know, and, and also things like, you know, things like uh, sleep are so important and that plays plays a part of that. You know, I think we, we all probably have experiences of, you know, staying up too late and kind of getting completely knackered and being really tired. And sometimes it's easy to, you know, be like, well, I'll just have a nap and, you know, things like that. But it's very quickly that starts to kind of become a sort of slightly kind of uh, dangerous cycle where you're kind of not really sleeping properly and stuff like that. Speaking from uh, experience of uh, staying up too late and all that kind of jazz, but, um, you know, so I think having having that routine, having that kind of, no, this is, you know, I'm a bit tired, but I need to, you know, go to bed then, I need to get a good night's sleep. You know, I'm going to do a bit of exercise. I'm going to go out, I'm going to water my plants. I'm going to look at pictures of, Maxie's dogs online who knows what uh, you know I think you know having that kind of structure in your life really does help um particularly in, in an environment because it makes you feel that you're in control you know and I think all of us uh, over the last year and probably more general in our lives don't always feel in control and that's quite scary um and having that I, at least I can control this at least I, I know when I'm going to do this I know when I'm going to do that I might not be able to save the universe or whatever but at least i can control this aspect and I, I think that's that's a small step that you can take on the path to kind of just feeling a bit better so yeah no thank you for that gabe i think that's that's a really great idea you know if there was like a takeaway like a big you know if there's one thing that people should take away from this is there anything that kind of we would you know want them to know well from my perspective uh so at middlesex what we're really trying to uh to promote and to uh to encourage our students and staff uh population to take up is uh really self-care as a preventative tool um, so you know think about the, the sort of health spectrum uh, we want to encourage students and staff to be looking after themselves as much as possible um, through all these kind of uh, healthy uh, self-care sort of tools and tips and tricks that we talked about today um, and then that way you know we're preventing um, slip down and slippery slope into sort of mental ill health and crisis and and people only sort of finding that they're able to reach out at that crisis point so um, I think Gabe mentioned earlier about sort of life skills and, um, you know, I think students and, and in particular international students are really unfortunate that it's through a pandemic. But as Gabe said, really have um, developed such amazing transferable skills for life, which actually I think in a few years will really put them head, ahead of, um, you know, whoever's coming next in terms of sort of uh, digital skills as well as uh, in-person and communication skills. Um, and I think really the, the more that we can talk about uh, looking after these skills, looking after ourselves, looking after each other, um, I think that's kind of where we want to go. And that's really the key to, uh, to good health and good well-being is that self-care and that preventative action. Thank you. No, thank you for that, Vanessa. I think that's so true. And thank you for, you know, Gabe, for your, uh, you know, for the points there. So uh, thank you very much. So uh, fantastic guest today, uh, Maxi Pacheco. Gabe Bavanga and Vanessa White, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I really hope, um, well, I really hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, my name is Chris Hartley and that was the Word of Wellbeing. Thank you very much. Goodbye.